cold showers. That's mm. what I was leading up to with that, cold showers. Mm. If you can finish with a cold shower, even if it just, it doesn't, you know, just you work up to it, you get more and more tolerant to it. It really does help the body. It helps, it gives you a dopamine hit. So it's not even that you've just made yourself cold and you're awake. It generally, it stimulates dopamine in the body. And it's brilliant for uh, anxiety in the sense brilliant. that stimulates your vagus nerve. Exactly. Welcome to Forever Young, the health and well-being podcast from Lanzarov. My name is Mario Pedazzoli, and in every episode, join me in conversation with a variety of health experts and special guests as we explore what it means to live well. We may not find the secret to eternal youth, but join me on our quest as we explore just what it means to live a balanced, healthy and happy life. Hello again and welcome. Well, earlier this year, members of the Arts Club and Lanzerhof at the Arts Club had the privilege of attending a panel talk discussion with Rose Ferguson and Poppy Jamie. And after such an insightful discussion, we are delighted to include the talk in today's episode for the Feel Well series of Forever Young. And as Rose and Poppy both discuss, it can indeed be challenging to find the time to prioritise health and well-being. But rather than feeling guilty for our shortcomings, we should instead consider simpler ways to energise, eat well, and improve our mental and physical health. So do listen and enjoy their insights. Poppy is the founder of the well-being and mindfulness app Happy Not Perfect, and Rose is a practising nutritionist here at Lanzerhof at the Arts Club, as well as juggling her career as an international model, author, and regular contributor to Vogue. Enjoy the show, and as always, for more information, please email lanzerhoff at theartsclub.co.uk. And if you're anything like me, you may still be shocked we're at the end of January. I'm not quite sure what I've done this month, but it's gone by. And um, I am truly over the moon to be sitting here with Rosemary Ferguson, who is a health guru, my favourite health guru, who's here to answer my questions and all of yours. And she's also the newly appointed nutritional practitioner at the Lanzerhof. Is mine on? Oh, yeah. Is that everyone? <laughs> I am. So um, before we begin, this interview is going to be recorded for the Arts Club podcast and also my podcast, The Not Perfect Podcast. And, um, and as said, we are really looking forward to hearing your questions. So please have those at the ready. So a little bit about Rosemary Ferguson. She started her career as a successful model and began the iconic five-day plan. And I, just a side note, I have so many friends obsessed with the five-day plan. It's like everyone's SOS. They're like, I must do a five-day plan now. Um, after, after kind of holiday periods, especially. She's the co-founder of Pure Filth, author, writer, and mum of three. In 2013, Rosemary qualified at the College of Naturopathic Medicine. And in 2019, Rosemary certified as a functional medicine practitioner. So in other words, she truly is a guru of all things health. And I really can't wait to ask her about how we, how we can make 2022 the healthiest yet. So at the Not, in the Not Perfect podcast, I always ask my guests the same three questions. What is the favourite quote you return to often and why? Well, this one was really... I, I, I was really struggling with this one. And then I thought, actually, one thing I return to again and again is Einstein's quote of the definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again and expecting the same, a different result. And I apply this to many things. One, my relationship with my husband. If I had to keep doing the same thing, it's always going to end the same way. But mostly when I think about health and... Uh, stress and all those things are like you know I see people and they they do the same cycle of things you know they fall on the wagon then they're off the wagon you know and they don't they don't uh, or we don't um, change it for how for us in particular you know we sort of read things and think oh I'm going to do that because that will work and then it doesn't so then we you know do you know what I mean you just go round and round in the same circle so that was that I love that quote because I, I, um, when I read some research that said 98% of our thoughts today were the same as yesterday, <laughs> I suddenly thought, oh my God, Einstein was correct all of those years ago and science is kind of proving how real and right that quote was. Yeah, I mean, I think I see lots of people, but I do the same. You know, we try to 
to change our behavior by doing the same thing again and again like okay I'm not going to drink this is one this is where I really think about it with (laughs) drinking I'm not going to drink from Monday to Friday and then I'm going to drink all weekend and then eventually they start drinking on Thursday and then eventually we start drinking on Tuesday and then eventually we're back to drinking seven days a week and then we do it again and you know you sort of have to go okay something wrong here because I'm doing the same thing and nothing's changing um so yeah well I can't wait to dive into maybe some tips to help us kind of change habits it seems to be one of the hardest things but yet one of the most powerful things when we're putting all your work into practice what's the life lesson you've been reminded of recently um, well I think so because it, during covid I slowed down because I, I I wasn't racing around I wasn't running into clinic running up and down the motorway um, and I was a different person And I just thought I spend a lot of my time telling people to take it easy, make life more simple, take your time, breathe, all of the things that I don't do. And that really reminded me of actually, because the quality of life, if you know, if you don't have, if you're not enjoying life, then you don't have any quality of life. It doesn't matter how successful you're being or, um, and so for me, it was really just slow down, keep in your body and take a deep breath, take a deep breath. It's amazing, but I, I've had a conversation recently about that in in the sense that it's um, we can go for so long not really realising we're not enjoying life. Yeah, and I think just for me, that like adrenal, like constant, makes me feel like that busyness, that obsessive busyness, you feel like you're, you're worth, it's your value, you know, you feel worthwhile because you're obsessively busy, but actually... You're not very content. You're quite discontent, in fact. And so for me, I think just slowing down is really important. I don't think the busier you are necessarily, the more productive you are or the happier you are. <laughs> so. yeah. The greatest the greatest coping mechanism um, alive and cover-up. Um, but I, I think that's why working with professionals can often be the greatest rope out of that because sometimes I think slowing down can feel so scary and yeah. doing it in company is the only way to do it in a way that feels a bit easier. Yeah, that's so true because when you stop, you, you, you know, for me, I feel if I'm not really, really busy, then what's going on with work? <laughs> what, oh, shit, what's happening? <laughs> you know, or... Or just, like you say, actually, just relationships at home. You know, I have three older children, um, either 15, 16 and 22. So actually having time to sit and talk with them rather than rushing around. You know, it's interesting. My oldest daughter is at university and she's very into student way of life. She loves sitting around debating and discussing. And she's like, can we just sit after a meal and talk? Because I'm like tidying up, clearing up, like next, next, next. And so over lockdown, we were, there were enforced debates and conversations, <laughs> which my, my other half really likes, but I'm not very good at because it makes me feel uncomfortable. So it was interesting. And you're right, it leaves gaps when you slow down. It leaves gaps and places of discomfort, perhaps. That's kind of sounds like our house. But also, I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible debater, so I always lose like, every argument. <laughs> um, how do you define happiness? Well, I suppose happiness comes um, in closely linked to what I've just been talking about. I think contentment, this feeling of ease. You know, for me, when I'm not always, I feel happy when I, you know, I'm quite, I can be quite codependent. So it's like I get my worth from like work or, you know, sort of being around lots of people and stuff and actually just being, you know, I'm not very good at being on my own. And then sometimes my house is empty and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And so I think, you know, that for me personally, I think being at ease with myself and feeling content with what I've got and that it's not a dreadful word, but it just irks me now. Gratitude, feeling grateful. I mean, it does, you know, I've got a lot to be grateful for. And I think just feeling happy with your lot is sometimes just a just nice place to be. Couldn't agree more. And I agree with you. I find when someone uses the word gratitude, I kind of roll my eyes thinking it's so overused. It's this wellness cliche. And we all rationally go, yes, I know I need to be grateful. But um, the when we actually do it, when we actually sit there, um, it is the medicine to the world of Instagram and social media and comparison culture. And I suppose it also makes you feel present, doesn't it? You know, when you sort of think, sit sit and think about what you do. I mean, it's like, you know, if you sit and look at what you can see and what you can hear and what you can smell, just that moment of not 
not being aware of everything or worrying about what anything else is going on in the world brings a huge amount of contentment. And that, for me, is peace, and that means happy. Oh, that's a really <laughs> lovely answer. Thank you for that. Um, so at this time of year... I think every health brand, every practitioner is suddenly into overdrive with marketing in terms of, you know, telling us to do different diets, different health regimes. We're being bombarded with messages left, right and centre and it can feel really confusing. Um, How do you feel about this quite kind of, um, I guess, like generic new you, new year, let's go? Um, What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think um, I think I think I think New Year's resolutions are difficult because mm, there are very very few people who stick to them. Um, I think January I, I think January is not a bad time to have a little rest. I think if you look at the kickback from December, I, I mean I I go on and on in December about balance. Take your take your time. Don't drink too much. Don't overindulge. Everybody drinks too much. Everybody <laughs> overindulges. Everybody doesn't sleep. <laughs> So I think if January is a time of just taking, going inward a little bit, it's not a bad thing to do. I think, I think putting yourself in, under any regime in January is not the best thing to do. I think, I think if you're a bit looser and like, okay, I'm just going to eat a, bit, a few more fruit and veg, I'm going to reduce the alcohol, I'm going to do, I think doing a little bit of exercise in January is really good for you. You know, get outside, 20 minutes walking a day. I think I think it's not a bad time to reflect. I suppose January, um, but I do think strict regimes are um, they're bound to fail, and then it makes you feel a bit crap, doesn't it? If you don't do it, and you're just like, oh, I failed at that. That's that's really that's really interesting because I feel that that's so nuanced, and also what you just said is it feels a bit more achievable. This idea that actually we really need a rest rather than going on. Okay, now we're all going to sign up for the marathon. I mean, I think that's really true. And also, it's, I think also just, it's just a little shift. I think acknowledging that January is a good time to balance out December is not a bad thing to do. You know, but I don't think it has to be... I think people think they're going to change their whole way of being. You know, mm. it's like the, what we were saying, the quote, Einstein's quote, is like, we're going to do this every January, we're going to pretend we're not going to drink, we're not going to ever eat gluten again, when, you mm. know. Right, like, up the veg... Have a bit of exercise, drink more water, drink less alcohol, you know, do 10,000 steps a day if that's what it is. But do something that's achievable because small steps make big changes. And I think in January, that's the thing actually that I think is that people create this huge step that they can't achieve, whereas actually doing little steps um, make a big difference. And I know at clinic, clinic doesn't get busy till February. Really? Because, well, I think the five-day plan is really busy in January because everyone's like, great, silver <laughs> bullet. It's like, you do it for me and I'll do it. <laughs> but clinic where you're asking someone to work, work for themselves, you know, I can't do it for you. You have to do it. It's usually quite quiet in January because I think people have got their tail between their legs a little bit. And it takes a while for the December, you know, hangover to wear off. So you must obviously look at so many different diets that are out there in books, on the internet, on Instagram, and I'm sure there's some where you just wish that they were never printed and others you think, oh yes, that does look quite, that would be quite helpful for someone. What constitutes a good diet? I think balance that's another dreadful word but i think it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true i suppose if you're looking at a, if you wanted a framework i i think the paleo diet is quite useful i think it's very anti-inflammatory so could do you mind just i yeah. mean for yeah. people who are quite nutritional literate like me so paleo is um low grain higher in proteins and good fats there's lots of vegetables in it so it's so keto which is what keto is very high in good fats well fats actually not necessarily good and protein but low on other things like even vegetables whereas paleo is a bit more balanced and there's lots of vegetables involved it's just i suppose the rule of paleo is it's quite low in grains because we didn't used to eat that many grains so i think especially as you get older i think paleo um, where you're focusing more on lean proteins and good fats and vegetables is a better way is a good way to it's a good framework but um and what else i suppose anti-inflammatory foods you know so high veg nice fish um good fats again it's always good fats it's really not rocket science i think if you said to somebody what do you think is a healthy way to eat they'd say vegetable fruit 
lean meat, you know, lean protein. I think that's what most people would say. And they might say complex carbs, which are also fine too. But but I find fruit is also then a topic of discussion because people say, well, is fruit good? It doesn't have loads of sugar in it. What are your thoughts on that? It's funny, actually, so many people come into clinic and they're like, I, don't, I haven't eaten fruit for years. And I'm like, why? <laughs> and they're really proud of themselves. <laughs> and whilst a fruit is full of sugar, one fruit should be eaten before the meal because it, it breaks down much lower down the digestive tract. So if you you can get quite gassy if you don't. And it can also just sit and ferment. So fruit should be eaten before which is how it used to be eaten it used to be eaten before the meal um but it's a really good snack fruit i think fruit i think the reason fruit and sugar have got so intertwined is because of fruit juice so you, you juice a, you juice an orange and you take out all the fiber of that orange then you have got a very high sugar high glycemic index it's going to hit the bloodstream really fast so but if you're eating the whole thing so with fruit if you eat the whole thing there's loads of fiber it'll slow the sugar absorption down and it's got loads of little they're called polyphenols or phytonutrients which are so good for you um so yeah i'm a big fan of fruit but lots of people cut it out are there types of fruit though that we should be leaning to over others well berries are always really berries always come out great i mean for like diabetes diabetics i'd say have some blueberries every day they're really you know they're they're also people like them but apart from i mean the only thing with berries are that they're quite heavily pesticided so if you're not going to buy organic you need to really make sure you wash them really well but otherwise berries are brilliant um all fruit i think it's good to have a variety of all of them you know um things like mango things like mango and pineapple are great for digestion you know they've all got their part to play um but berries up in particular seem to pack a punch what are your thoughts on breakfast because I feel like, again, this has become another controversial meal of the day. Um, Some people think we should have it. Others don't. Um, Should we be eating breakfast? (laughs) Sorry if I sound so basic. (laughs) It's true. It is a controversial meal of the day. I love that. Breakfast suddenly is really... um, It is because everyone used to say, eat breakfast, you've got to eat breakfast. It's the main meal of the day. Eat like a king at breakfast. Actually, science shows that some people are better without breakfast. Um, so there's that. It, and this is where it's so individual. So you have to listen to your body. If you have breakfast in the morning, and I, say, I used to tell people, have porridge, definitely have porridge in the morning, until I realised that some people are really not great with carbohydrate in the morning. Some people are much better with an egg and avocado. Some people, yes, it's great. But some people, they'll, they'll start with porridge and then they'll be sluggish all day. They'll feel hungry all day. So you have to listen to your body. And some people are better without breakfast. You know, so the intermittent fasting thing is very popular, but it's also a very good tool to have. Right. I've been dying to ask you about intermittent fasting. Okay. So I thought I was an intermittent faster. Okay. Until I realised that having two very, very milky lattes <laughs> wasn't so good for my intermittent fast. Does latte drinking mean you're not an intermittent faster? <laughs> well, it depends what fast you're going for. If you are looking... So the main reason intermittent fasting... that The main, the main sort of what people agree intermittent fasting is is where you don't trigger an insulin response. So having a latte would most definitely trigger an insulin <laughs> response because it's sugar, you know, it's a sugar. Um, but if you're just resting the gut from digestion, which so you're giving it liquids, which a latte is, then um, you're just giving the, the gut a little bit of time to rest because we spend 50% of our energy digesting every day. So just by reducing that eating window and having a latte you are also getting some benefit but i would say the, in this in what we sort of generally think about intermittent fasting it's it's not giving your body anything that creates an insulin spike so black coffee that's why bullet coffees are okay because you've got fat in there and fat uses ketones rather than it doesn't turn into glucose doesn't use insulin really you can use a bullet coffee but the latte has milk in it which has lack, lactose in it which is a sugar Okay, so, so okay, <laughs> right. Um, that may may need to modify that slightly. Um, so, what are the benefits of intermittent fasting? Why are you a fan? Um, well, I I work a lot with um, p- people in their thirties, forties, fifties, and sixties. So, and I think as we get older, there's something called we stop to li- we stop listening to insulin so well, 
And so when we're talking about keeping brain, your brain clear, keeping the body feeling light, um, intermittent fasting just takes a, stops the pressure on the body. And it means that the insulin levels can rest. So they're not elevated all day long, which in turn is not great for us. Um, so that's why. And I, intermittent fasting is just... A, it's just a really good way of keeping your energies up. It helps, you know, most people feel more energised. I'm trying to avoid saying weight because it should not be used for weight loss, but it is very handy for weight management. Mm. Um, but also, can I just be really clear, it's not really great for weight management if you don't eat for 16 hours and then you eat donuts, drink beer, <laughs> right. pizza. It doesn't work. <laughs> Everyone's tried. It doesn't work. <laughs> um, I, w- when we were talking, I... Um, I, I was running you through my questions and one of them was, oh, you know, is there a healthier alcohol? And you were like, yes, everyone tries to ask these kind of shortcuts. But, you know, if we were going to drink, what would you suggest? Well, I just said to you then, it's true. It doesn't matter what you drink. If you drink enough, you're going to feel terrible. It doesn't make any difference. Um, I suppose what people... It depends, again, it's individual. I know that some, lots of people go, tequila's amazing. You don't get hangover. I get the worst headache on tequila, so I won't drink it. Um, but it is to do with... I mean, we're a terrible binge drinking culture as well in this country. Mm. I'm a terrible... Mm. It's much, so, A, it's better to drink little and, and more often than that huge binge... I guess wine, if you can get organic wine, is the least interfered with. Uh, you know, it's sort of like the, it's got some positives, like it's got, the red wine's got something called resveratrol in it, which is another thing people go, yes, but it's got antioxidants. I'm like, not if you drink half a bottle or a bottle, it doesn't, it doesn't count anymore. Um, but I suppose, I don't know, I suppose also the mixes are the other things that, you, you know, like that's something to be really careful of. A vodka, lime and soda, you've got a bit, if you've got fresh lime, there's a bit of something in there and it's a bit of hydrating because there's a bit of soda um but i think you know things like whiskey and coke and anything with those fizzy drinks is is not great because then you've got the the combination of the alcohol and the sugar and it's not going to work very well so circling back to the to the hope that we probably aren't drinking so much at this time of year compared to um the end of last year um and i guess um the subject I'd really love to talk about is energy levels because I'm not sure if, again, anyone would agree with me, but I find that even though Blue Monday is this, you know, it's kind of a made-up day, I do find that this time of year energy can be really, really low and obviously with the light it's really difficult to get out of bed. Um, How can we eat in a way that supports our energy levels in, I guess, a time of year we're not getting so much excitement or adrenaline just from our life? Well, I think I think for us, I, th- I really feel strongly that January isn't. You know, if you feel like hibernating, hibernate. We spend a lot of time like trying to push ourselves outside and you know and go and do things. And actually, if you feel like just sort of sitting in bed and watching TV and or having a bath, you know, do those sort of things in January. Um, just because they will help you to feel more um they will help you feel more energized eventually because i think people are probably flat the lead up to christmas and that friend it's not even christmas it's that frantic you've got to sign off everything at work Mm. which may amazes me i'm like but we're back in 10 days (laughs) but everybody wants everything signed off so that's i think franticness starts mid-november so i think taking you're probably a bit of just like okay i'm going to be tired and that's okay um, and then the other, the things to do is not, it's sort of more than just what you eat. Um, it's also just doing a little bit of exercise. Um, you know, if you can get outside, like you say, the sunlight in your eyes in the morning will help you sleep better at night, but it will also help you feel more energetic because you, like you say, we don't get so much sunlight. Um, things like vitamin D, really important for energy levels. Food wise, I would make sure that you're eating. I mean, it's the same old stuff, isn't it? It's the same old thing. Make sure you're eating. I suppose in particular, try and eat lots of greens. They're really good for your liver. They're really good for B vitamins. Um, they're really good for your energy levels. I mean, I'm, I eat meat. And so, so if you're plant-based, you need to really, really be careful. You know, I know so many people are plant-based now, which is great, as long as you do it properly. And there's a lot of crappy plant-based food out there so you know if you are going to be plant-based make sure that you are eating lots of legumes soy is fine as long as it's fermented and organic tofu is fine as long you know as long as it's well sourced um and then what else i can say and fish again well sourced but i eat a little bit of meat i feel very flat if i don't eat meat so i have a little bit of chicken 
And um, what else was I going to say? I also think, do you know what? I also think doing actually to revive your energies is to do a bit of a juice day once in a while. Green juice day is quite helpful. It helps you just, even if you do it for the day, the green juice, and then you have um, a meal in the evening. So you're not like white knuckling because that's quite stressful too. I don't want to be white knuckling. So do green juice throughout the day and then have a really nice, you know, protein-based meal in the evening. That's what, and that can really help just to clear the and just if it really gives you brain clarity because I think that's the thing is we all feel quite heavy at this time of year. And the other thing, oh, this is what I do think really helps is um, it's, we call it, I call it hermetic, well, it's, I don't, it's called hermetic stress where you create a little bit of stress that helps you, it's a bit of physical stress which actually helps you feel brighter. Cold showers, that's mm. what I was leading up to with that, cold showers. Mm. If you can finish with a cold shower... Even if it just, it doesn't, you know, just you work up to it, you get more and more tolerant to it. It really does help the body. It helps, it gives you a dopamine hit. So it's not even that you've just made yourself cold and you're awake. It generally, it stimulates dopamine in the body. And it's brilliant for uh, anxiety in this sense that stimulates your vagus nerve. Exactly. Exactly. It is just doing it, though. Do you want know to I mean? Even though rationally, we're like, we know it's good. <laughs> you know what? I mean, because you don't have to go and jump in Hampstead swimming ponds. <laughs> you could. So just try. So when I first started doing this, I would do a hot, sh- a hot shower, and I can do a really hot shower. We like burn and go, yeah, great. And then you just turn down as cold as you can for ten seconds. You can do anything for ten seconds, and then turn it back up, and then do it three times. And th- and if you can do that. For, give yourself a thing I'm going to do this for 10 days mm. and then because you can and it doesn't have to be the coldest setting do what you can tolerate do it so you can do it don't make it so unpleasant that you won't do it because otherwise it's no you know I'd rather you do something than nothing um uh, I, I I'm guessing you're a fan of cryotherapy of cryotherapy I love it it's amazing it's amazing and they have a cryo down, down the road, they, don't they? They have got the most amazing cryo at the Lanzerhof. It's yeah. so good, isn't it? It's probably it's like colder than cold. And you only have to do that for two minutes. And they put music on for you and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and dance around like a lunatic with your gloves on. It's great. Dan- dancing plus anything always makes it a bit better. Helps exactly. the medicine go down. Um, I'm sure most people in this room um, caught COVID at some point, and um, and I've obviously there's lots of you know you read the media, you know this idea of long COVID is something that people are struggling with on all sorts of different degrees, from severe long COVID to even just maybe that's what is influencing kind of these low January energy levels as well as the time of year, but. Um, what are your thoughts from a nutritionist perspective and a functional medicine uh, perspective of how we can support our body post-virus? So I think, um, so we know now that it's not a respiratory condition, it's inflammatory. So I think if you look at it from a functional point of view and look at inflammation rather than looking at just the symptom of the cough or um, especially with long COVID, you know, you look at people complaining about inflame, you know, inflammation around the heart, inflammation in the lungs... So I think, you know, as a whole maintenance plan, you would look at an anti-inflammatory diet, which is what we've spoken about, which, you know, contains complex carbohydrates, whole foods, try and keep it as organic as possible. But then I think from a um, supplementing point of view, I think you definitely want to think about supplementing with fish oils. Or actually, I mean, you know, there's a brilliant um, uh, oil called body... um, balance oil which is brilliant so that isn't official because i know everyone's freaking out about the press that's been going on lately around rancid officials which yeah it doesn't sound great <laughs> so if you're concerned about that, there's one called balance oil which is an amazing omega-3 oil and the omega if you're taking omega-3s the reason it's great for, anti- in, uh, for inflammation is it literally takes your body down an anti-inflammatory pathway whereas lots of bad fats take you down and make it worse the omega omega-3 makes it better um, and also things like turmeric, you know, simple things like that that you can add to your food. You can take a turmeric, a curcumin supplement, but you can just add it to your food. And it's amazing for inflammation. So I think, you know, just eating, increasing your uh, whole foods, reducing things. I mean, we should talk about what to reduce as well. Sugar is really not your friend. Um, mm. So if you're eating, here people recoil when you say sugar, coffee or wine. I said it, there you go. Sugar, coffee and wine. Not all coffee. One coffee a day is fine. But if you're drinking lots of coffee, it's, it does. It's really overstimulating and not great for inflammation or, or long COVID. 
interesting because often, and I'm the worst at this, when I wake up not feeling kind of full beam, I will just instantly hit the kettle and drink a coffee um, and then have about seven cups of tea, which is probably not ideal. Does, is tea a bit better than coffee or is it still as inflammatory? Well, one coffee a day is fine. It's, it's antioxidant. It actually is. Um, oh, hang on. You see coffee. It gets everyone every time. <laughs> Yeah. It's it's not the liver, it's the adrenals that, that it's um but decaf it depends how it's decaffeinated. So just to be there's a there's a water Swiss water method which is fine, or there's a chemical method which is not so fine because then you just have lots of chemicals which are less you know, so you have to be a bit careful. It's like Coke and Diet Coke. I don't know why I'm talking about those, but Diet Coke is full of, any diet drink or any diet food is full of chemicals to make it still taste okay. And so you really just go with the real thing. If you're going to have it, have full fat. No, no decaf. I, well, it depends. If it's, if it's decaffeinated by the Swiss water method, then that's fine. You have to go and ask them. Uh, are there any brands on the, in, in the supermarket that, um, or brands you can think of that do okay decaffeinated drinks? I don't know, you know, actually in the supermarket. Sorry, I should know that. And I don't. Sorry, it's because I don't drink coffee. Only because it makes me shake, not because I've got any opinion about it. And what about... Tea. Did you want to know about tea? Yeah, tea. And also matcha too. Black tea? Like a, you know, like a builder's brew. Um, Well, builder's does have loads of... It still has lots of caffeine in it. The thing about green tea, because green tea has lots of caffeine in it too, but it also has other things and it works like... So it's got lots of L-theanine in it, which helps take the edge off. Um, But also, green tea is brilliant for... um, it's brilliant for detoxification. It's great for the for glutathione production. I mean, it's got the, it's it's got lots of good things in it. Um, not that tea doesn't. It's just that it is very caffeinated and it's got lots of tannins. And people have it with milk and sugar. You know, that's that's one of the big issues. Actually, people say they have ten cups of tea and I have ten teaspoons of sugar a day in that. Mm. And how about matcha or turmeric lattes? So matcha, I'm a big fan of matcha. It's basically it's powdered green tea, so it's powdered green leaves. Um, it's amazing. I love it. And turmeric too. I'm gonna. The thing about the latte thing is how much are you getting of the green tea and the turmeric, and how much is latte? You know. <laughs> and what kind of milk do you think that we should be veering leaning towards? I mean, I think. Oat milk, it depends because oat milk sometimes has some, a lot of oat milks have oils in them. Um, you can really easily make oat milk. But anyway, um, almond milk, the problem with almonds are that there's a sustainability issue. Mm. So I would go oat milk. I would go oat milk and I would go on, you can get oat milks that don't have oil in them. That's what I would have. And it's minefield, I know. It, it, yeah, it is, it, is, it is a minefield. And so you have your five-day plan, which um, is, I mean, it has been hailed as one of the best five-day plans out there for really achieving the results. Um, how did you even come up with the five-day plan? What is in it that is, I guess, like, so impactful for people? It's funny because it's it's really it's an it's nothing. Um, there's no secret in there really. I, do you know? I mean, the way it's laid out. Basically, the way it came about was because I wanted. To, even though I'm a big fan of fasting, I think it gets abused. It creates a lot of dysfunction in the way people eat or drink. You know, so I thought I would do an eating plan and show people that if you eat like this, you can also you know people if you're looking to lose weight, which a lot of people usually are. You lose weight, but you feel energised, you feel clear-headed. I get quite chippy emails on Tuesday, but on Thursday, everyone's really happy. By Thursday, everyone's like, I feel great. Tuesday, I don't really respond. But, but, you know, but I think it was, for me, it was important to show people that food is not the enemy. It's what you eat, that, you know, the type of food you're eating, the food you're choosing to put in your mouth. And so that was really it. So it was, I mean, it is slightly weighted towards a bit of livery food, like liver supporting food. And then we do have a liquid dough in the middle, but it's, again, it's quite substantial. You have like soups and smoothies. And then towards the end, it's looking at, uh, it's sort of more gut focused, you know, because you can change your, your gut bacteria in 24 hours with what you eat. 
keeping it diff- keeping it changed is the challenge. And that was it, really. It was just about showing people, and so it just grew from there. I was just like, no, you can eat and feel great and have energy and lose weight if that's what you need to do. So, in, in, I mean, I, I didn't actually know that. That's really interesting. You can change your gut bacteria in, in 24 hours. Uh, do you then think that probiotics are needed or just another marketed supplement that we are kind of led to believe is important? Uh, I think I think some probiotics are really great. And I think, you know, if you think antibiotics, you know, this is where you sort of have to get, okay, so antibiotics wipe it all out. So actually it's quite useful to have something that we can replace and re-inoculate with. Um, I think eating fermented food on a daily basis or like four times a week is a much better way to maintain your gut microbiome. And so would you mind just listing off some fermented foods? So it's all the K's, kimchi, kombucha, kefir... Um, but even things like, you know, even there are prebiotics foods which are like leeks, onions, you know. Um, I think, you know, if you speak to any gut specialist, he'll say eat a rainbow of different fruit and vegetables every day. Or different foods even, actually. It doesn't have to be fruit and veg. There's a lot more kombucha on the market than ever before. Is kombucha made equally? No. Some, some, so, no, so some do have... Everyone goes on about the sugar in kombucha. You have to have a bit of sugar in there for it to ferment. That's why, you know, if you think about any fermenting process, in order for those bacteria to thrive, you have to have a little bit of sugar. But um, I suppose it's when it's flavoured, what's it flavoured with, you know, so, um, but, but yes, but it will always have a little bit of sugar in it, kombucha. So if, you're, if that's what you're panicking about, it will always have some. Interesting. And um, what, on a supplement side of things, what sort of supplements do you think are really important to add to your diet? Well, I, I suppose I know from seeing people, and you'll know that you see people and they go, I'm taking this, 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 this. And you're like, why? Why? Just, I'm just always like, why are you taking it? What's made you think you should take it? Um, it's definitely not one size fits all with supplements. But I suppose if you're thinking on a general level, things that are useful, you know, and I think people could take it as a maintenance, I think a, an omega-3 oil would be really up there. Um, I think... Most people I know are super stressed, super busy. So then a multi-B, a B-complex would be useful. Um, I think vitamin D in the winter is helpful, unless you go sunny, you know, unless you're somewhere sunny. Um, and then a probiotic course probably once or twice a year would be really good, a good thing, maintenance thing to do. You know, I think I think you have to remember that your body's like really intricate. So if you start taking, so I will high dose vitamin C when I'm getting ill. If I feel like I see, but if you're high dosing anything all the time, you're knocking a whole cascade out of, you know, it's like clockwork. They're little, like little cogs, and everything goes on everything, you know, like. And if you're taking loads of one thing, it's going to knock the next cog out. So you know, but I, I definitely think it's worth going to see someone who knows what they're talking about before you start using things, you know, whatever, you know, hardcore supplements. Some, some supplements are really, really quite strong. <laughs> you need to know what you're doing. Yeah, no, I, I, I think sometimes we can kind of think, oh, because they're natural or something, you, can't, you kind of think they're not working or whatever, or just, you know, dose yourself, whatever. Um, but um, that, that comment you just said, you know, the body's very much an ecosystem. Yeah. And us having probably maybe taking more time to respect the, the delicacy of it is an interesting point i think cooking there is something there is there are herbs called adaptogens adaptogenic herbs which are really useful so they just help us to our body to adapt so the ones like ashwagandha which i know lots of people use are really quite you know nice ones to take or rhodiola um i think um but you know cook i was going to say cooking with herbs is really good cooking with spices cook with them you know then you can't go wrong really if you're having it in your diet Amazing. Well, I am really keen to open the, the discussion um, up for everyone who is here. Um, does anybody have any questions? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Um, if you have any advice for all of us who are always rushing, um, other than slowing down for sleep, sleep routine. For sleep. So sleep hygiene. Sleep's really, sleep is a really complicated one because people who don't sleep will roll their eyes, whatever I say. <laughs> um, I suppose sleep hygiene, you know, it really is like turn all your screens off, have a bath, make sure your room is colder and darker than you probably, or colder than you, you would want it to be. Um, magnesium glyconate is a really useful magnesium specifically for sleep. Um, and melatonin can be useful 
um but you need to know why you're taking because it can help you it depends what the problem is but i think if you're you know melatonin can help you go to sleep but it might not keep you asleep so it depends what the issue is phosphate there's a there's a uh, phosphatidylserine is really amazing. If you are a very stressed person, you feel like you've got very high cortisol level at night, phosphatidylserine is amazing because it will blunt the, the cortisol and help you again go to sleep. Um, but I think probably breath work, I'm sure you would say, breathing is really helpful and meditation at night. Yeah, there's this thing called yoga nidra and you can uh, listen to it on YouTube. It's free and it's it's so simple, but yet it is, there's loads of research studies showing how effective it is in getting to sleep. And, um, um, and then there's this breath, which is really interesting and it's kind of two inhales and an exhale and it's like highly effective in relaxing the body. So if you breathe two times through your nose, inhale, inhale again, at the top and then exhale through the mouth let's do that again together inhale through the nose inhale again and exhale through the mouth it essentially because of the two inhales it helps the lungs receive even more oxygen which then reduces the blood pressure and it's almost the breath that we associate when we after we've cried after we've kind of had that stress release because right and um it's a really helpful helpful breath to do before bed uh yoga nidra and then of course just really simple belly breathing which is just kind of like really focusing on exhaling uh longer than your uh, inhales and really focusing on breathing into the lower part of the body um and um yeah i mean I, I just, sleep is just really the foundation for health and happiness isn't it yeah, it's, I mean, people used to be like, I only sleep four hours a day, four hours, you know, and be so proud of it. But now we know that you need, you know, well, obviously, I mean, I guess it's obvious, isn't it? You sleep, you rejuvenate. Um, but it can also be very, very elusive for people. And then that stress creates more, le- less sleep. And so the cycle goes on. So that's why it's almost more to do with your how you go to bed and doing breath work or like reading a book. You know, all those things, they can really make a big difference. And journaling, because when we journal, we activate a different part of our brain, which then relaxes the emotional side. So I often look at, I often understand the brain almost like an automatic car. We have an accelerator and a brake. And when we're feeling kind of, when we're ruminating, and also um, science has proven that about and maybe an hour or two hours before bed, we have that jolt of energy. And often that kind of makes us suddenly go, I want to sort my entire closet out before I go to sleep or some ridiculous job that we feel like we've got to rush around the house and do. But that's actually very normal. And so actually just to recognise how normal that is can be really helpful in allowing it to pass because it does pass quite quickly. And obviously the reason for that jolt of energy back in kind of prehistoric times was because when we're sleeping, it's a very vulnerable state so it was to give us the energy to make sure that yes like the our environment is clear and safe so um allowing that to pass pass either through like a hot bath um hot shower or something um is really helpful and then kind of you know doing some journaling uh, because often when we wake up through we wake up in the night it's because our again like quite prehistoric survival system believes it's good to wake us up you know our brain isn't trying to be annoying or hurtful or you know all of the things we call it it's just trying to say hey hey hey, something could be wrong and it's going to be something as simple as i i i think i'm going to forget to do that thing tomorrow and i should have done it so by journaling before bed we kind of again help us to reassure and nurture that part of us that then wants to kind of um, believe that we are unsafe in some way, shape, or form. Um, does anybody have any other questions? There's a couple of questions. One is about uh, there's a lot of talk about CBD oil at the moment and hemp oil and helps with stress and sleep. But the other thing is uh, exercise. Um, exercise is definitely related to nutrition and what your views around timing of exercise. I guess it's about what works for everyone, but also what your views around those two things. Okay, so CBD, um, I use it a lot. It's actually not... Um, 
it's what I think it's called a novelty food in this country. So it's not licensed for any use of like for any use of healthcare per, per se because it's it is categorised as a novelty food as far as I know still. Um, but so with CBD, you need to make sure you get it from a good source. Um, and I think Pure is, is a company that I use a lot, or Corres. Um, but I think I find it very useful. And also, just what people tell me is not even whether I give it to them when they come into clinic. They're like, I use I use CBD, and I use it when I feel anxious, and it's really helpful. So that's just it's just um, what you know, anecdotal. Um, I don't. So so that's what I think about CBD. Um, and exercise okay uh, it depends I suppose if you it's good to, if you're training for something it's good to be able to train with a full with a when you've eaten and before you've eaten so that you become resilient to different different scenarios I suppose um, I think training in the evening is very stimulating so therefore makes it harder to sleep as we're talking about sleep um, and I think it also depends on your time. I think it's when you can do it, apart from anything. It's like, are you at work all day and you can only train in the evening? Um, I'm a morning trainer. I can't. If I don't do it in the morning, it doesn't happen. But I think from a nutrition point of view, um, most people train on an empty stomach in the morning that I you know, know because after, afterwards, you, you can't, what is a tricky thing is you can't eat and then ask your body to train because you're asking for blood supply to go to, to too many places um, and obviously you can get cramp. Um, does that answer your question okay. also um what i think is so brilliant is the research shows that if you exercise for five days a week is actually being proven to be as effective as a low-grade antidepressant so um i i'm just like from a mental health perspective i i think it's like one of our core basic needs i think it's really difficult to have live a happy life without moving the body at least five times a week and it doesn't, and actually, it doesn't have to be. Well, I totally agree, but it doesn't have to. I think people, the thing that fails that people fall down on with exercises, they're like, I am going to do a hit class every day yeah. for an hour and a half, and it just is not sustainable. So you have to find something. So you know, so just for anybody who wants to walk, walk. LSE did this amazing study, thirty years, looking at runners and walkers. After thirty years, walkers were fitter, leaner, happier than the runners. So, so you know, so if walking for twenty minutes, half an hour, at brisk pace is what you can manage, then go for it. That's you know, but do something that is sustainable and that you can continue doing because consistency is better than not. I love that low intensity yeah. exercise. Yeah. No, I was going to ask. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> Good. Coming back to your five-day plan, yeah. where can we find... Do you have a book or do you have a website where we could find how to follow that plan, please? Yeah, there is a website. I mean, the five-day plan, I, only do, I do it once a month. It's a delivery, but you can find it. There's loads of recipes on my website. And there's also a five-day plan on my Instagram, I think, in one of the highlights, because I did it. Um, but there's loads of recipes everywhere for it. <laughs> Otherwise, yes. Yeah, so otherwise, it gets delivered. I only do it once a month because that's what we have time for. But um, and it's sort of like, do you know? Actually, it's not only that. It's more that there's a community feeling when we do it. Everyone's like, oh, I'm on the five day plan. I'm on the five day plan. So and you know, and it's not sort of like you can do a couple of days and not the others. Yeah. So it is the whole plan. So um, yeah. So we do it once a month. Um, February. Oh, I don't know, but it might be February. Sixth, I guess. Fifth is it? fifth is a Saturday. Seventh, <laughs> ish, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Thank you. Con um, continuing from your five-day plan, um, if you, I, I, I looked on your website, and if you don't deliver to certain um, certain postcodes, can you um, London postcode? Um, yeah, it's, it's so true. The delivery is a nightmare. It wasn't the best business plan on the planet, actually. Cooked fresh, delivered fresh every day. Um, uh, we, sometimes it depends, because if there's quite a few people in your area, the, the delivery company will go out of their way. So just if you email me, then we can, then the team will have a look at it. Because also sometimes, the web, sometimes they say they won't, and then they will. Okay. They will go to them and ask them. And um, something you mentioned earlier about your um, green juices... Um, could you um, sort of specify sort of like a few examples of the type of greens that you put in the juice? 
Well, I suppose the best things to do for green juice is a cucumber and celery are great because they're full of water. So, it, you know, so juicing leaves can get quite tricky unless you've got a masticating juicer. Um, so it, so I, don't, I do, but I use, a, I use a big juicer. And so I put in spinach and then I put in some, some cucumber because it flushes spinach through. But otherwise, you can juice anything like cabbage, kale anything green i tell you what is really handy though or a good tip is lemon or lime because it takes the cabbage out of the cabbage (laughs) and you can sweeten it with a little bit of apple i mean i wouldn't but you can you know i go quite hard green shock (laughs) or courgette courgette's another one that's quite good quite watery um sorry i just had a quick question um with um, if you're doing fasting and uh, exercise, how would you recommend doing that? Like, if you're on a five-two, for instance, would you say avoid exercising on your like two days, or avoid exercising the day after your two days? Or what? Um, what sort of exercise are you talking? I mean, actually, I'd say I would say no. You can carry on, but it depends if you're like, uh, like to do cardio, a four-hour like, run. Yeah, like cardio, like running. Okay, but how long for? Uh, don't know <laughs> between, between seven and ten k okay only because i suppose um well that's probably fine i mean for, for the five i think fasting what's funny is people panic that they're not getting enough energy for that day we over it all year round i mean you've definitely got enough energy to get <laughs> you've got enough energy to get through because people are always like oh no but i'm fasting i'm like you'll, you'll be f- absolutely fine unless you're literally doing a water fast in which case you may feel you know all you're going to go for a four hours you know no, how long we've got 90 minutes in us We've got 90 minutes of energy in our, in our muscles. So unless you're going to over-exercise more than that, you don't need to refuel necessarily before, you know. So you should be fine. And it's it's actually, I suppose if I was having a very low-calorie day, I'd do something sort of more nurturing to the body. So, so it's not always this, like, chi energy. You know, there's not there's always this really aggressive energy on top of us. Sometimes it's nice to take care of ourselves and be a bit softer. main meals usually about 11 o'clock in the afternoon okay. and then and then i don't eat at all between 4 30 and 6 a.m every day so i guess what i'm tr- so you're eating is windows 11 30 till 4 yeah. so because my exercise is in the morning my main meal is about 11 12 o'clock i have a yeah. snack at four and then i don't eat after 4 30 p.m so i'm doing a daily because that's quite that's quite a long that's quite an intent it's a very small eating window and it sounds like you're having one main meal a day with a snack main meal so after the gym i have uh, a like tuna or salmon or something and i have a main meal around 12 and then four o'clock i have i should have dal actually i love dal nice yeah dal is uh, it's got a lot of protein it's got a lot of roughage yeah uh but the main thing is then you have to actually adjust you know your lifestyle around it so you know, yeah. my, my social life is very daytime. Uh, sometimes if I eat in the evening, it's very, very rare. But um, I guess it's all down to timing, isn't it? So you can, you can fast and exercise at the same time as long as you're actually making sure you feel your body. Yeah, you definitely can. But I would just say, you know, the thing, interesting thing there is, I mean, definitely, I think if you, you can definitely fast and as long as you're fueling your body correctly. But I would say, and this isn't, you know, when, it, when, th- when your food life starts to affect your social life or life i feel like that's when sometimes it can become too rigid so if you're thriving that's one thing but i know people who become very stringent and stressed and they don't thrive so you know so just you know i would just break it sometimes and go out for dinner in the evening like you said you do sometimes you know i think um but otherwise you'll be fine to exercise at 11 in the morning exercise at seven eat at 11 four and finish at four is absolutely absolutely fine as long as you feel fine. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah, sometimes it's just. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, Poppy, a while ago, I think on your podcast, you had a lady called the Bean Queen. Oh yeah, who was fascinating but um, talked quite a lot about uh, like pulses and legumes as this like total superfood that can cure inflammation all that kind of thing and I was just wondering how magic do you think beans are? Shall I tell you a bit about her? She's called Karen Hurd 
and um, so and her story is amazing. But I'd love to hear your perspective on it. Um, great question. Uh, so basically, she she has this quite kind of like amazing story. She worked in like the chemical warfare division of the army, and um, and so worked a lot with people who got poisoned through kind of uh, yeah chemicals. Repeating myself, sorry. And um, anyway, very tragically, her nine-month-year-old had this terrible reaction. So they t- so she took her, her nine-month-year-old to hospital, and the doctor said, "We're well, really sorry. We don't think there's anything we can do. Um, so kind of say goodbye, really." And she was absolutely fixed that her daughter was poisoned in some way because she exhibited the signs of some of of a being being poisoned. So she called up a specialist in uh, in in controlled poisoning and said look this is this is what's happened to my daughter what do you think i should do and um so the specialist said i absolutely think that you're probably right here and so they drip fed her through a syringe um beans um in this idea that because when beans are the only things that really uh attach to um, and as you can tell, I'm really not paraphrasing this very well. Uh, <laughs> attach uh, to the chemicals; otherwise, they get reabsorbed in our bile, and they're actually the only uh, soluble fibre. It's the only thing that like takes us out of the body. So, so she treats a lot of people with um, polycystic ovaries, any sort of kind of like inf- autoimmune disease through this bean protocol. Which, because she believes that because bile is reabsorbed every 90 minutes, she actually um, um, encourages people to have a spoonful of beans basically every 90 minutes to help uh, to help the toxins uh, be removed from the body. Oh, that does sound good. I'll have a look at her later. I mean, she is talking about fibre uh, from what I can gather. Mm. Um, and All about soluble fibres. All about soluble fibre, yeah. But so you get fibre in lots of things, you know, it's in fruit and veg, it's in, uh, it's in, it's in whole foods. Um, but it's really crucial. Fibre is the unsung hero and it is really, really crucial for our well-being. It is exactly that. It helps us eliminate toxins. It helps us, our bowel keep moving. It helps, you know, and it does and it literally... So for lots of people with, you know, hormones, it helps get the hormones out. It, you know, it really does. It's really, really important. But uh, it, you can get it from, it's in lots of things. I mean, people are very, oh, I love, I, I, you know, we, I have a plant-based husband, um, two of my children are vegetarian. So we, our baseline in our house is um, plant-based. So we eat lots of legumes and, and beans. And I think they're, ama- I think they're great. Some people find them hard to tolerate and, because they do make you gassy. They do, well, they do make you gassy. That's because the bacteria, usually because people aren't used to eating them. Because mm. you eat dal, I'm sure you don't, you know, it doesn't, it's fine. If you're not used to eating them and suddenly you give your bacteria this fibre, the bacteria go crazy, create loads of gas, and then people don't eat them again for the next two months. And then they try again. And actually it's about building that fibre content up, that fibre tolerance up. So then the bacteria will chill out because they'll be like, oh yeah, we get this fibre all the time. Because Karen Heard says after two weeks, if you kind of get through that gassy period, within two weeks, you're not gassy. It's just taking the toxins out. Yeah, well, because the reason you get gas is because the bacteria literally go crazy. Because they're like, (laughs) oh my God, this is amazing. We have got so much fibre going on. (laughs) And then they chill out when it's always on tap. They're like, yeah, well... (laughs) Can leave, I can leave that five, and they don't create such. They don't create so much gas because they 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 create gas like you know because they're really busy with the fibre. <laughs> it sounded a bit rude actually. So. <laughs> so, yeah, so beans and legumes—they're a brilliant source of. They're great. I mean, I love them. Some people do find them hard to tolerate, but I think if you cook them, you know, they're usually better. And adding turmeric it really helps as well. Amazing. Oh yes. What do you, do you want to know if it's okay? <laughs> just shall I just say yes? It's far. You know what bread? If you get, there are really. I tell you, there are really. It depends how you are with bread, um, and not all bread is born equal. So some breads, sourdough is actually really fine because it's the way it's made. It's fermented, so the gluten is broken down before before it's baked. Obviously, it's not for, it's not got bacteria because it gets cooked. But before. Um, and then there's a, I tell you actually, one of my, the ones that I use in the five day plan that everybody asks about because it's made out of seeds, it's called Seedful. And it's a really dense mm. loaf of, it's a really dense piece of bread. And you only need that, you know, you only need one bit. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, things like white bread, it causes a huge sugar spike, then I'm not a fan, sorry. Baguette, I'm not a fan. But it's quite nice with cheese on holiday. <laughs> I suppose just a bit of moderation. Resistant starch. I don't know. Do you know what? I don't know that much about resistant starch. If I'm if I'm honest, I think I think the thing to do is to I think to in order to reduce your starches in your diet is always a good thing to to do to do a lower starch. So you know, so you don't want to have like white rice, white pasta. You want to have a complex carb because it's just it's more well it's fibrous. It's more difficult for the it's more difficult for the body to break down. So therefore, it doesn't hit the bloodstream as fast. I don't know, is that helpful? Not really. <laughs> I do invite anyone and everyone to, um, you know, if you haven't had breakfast, there are really, really yummy breakfast bits outside, so do feel free to, at any moment, collect some breakfast bits. And if there are there any questions? More questions? Or are we... Well, if there are no more questions... Oh, did you have a question? No? Okay. Um, if, if there are no more questions, um, this leaves me to thank Rosemary a huge amount for spending her morning with us, sharing her wisdom, her knowledge, her insight, her guidance. And uh, on the Arts Club email, hopefully you should all have had a link to Rosemary's website to find out more details on anything we've discussed today. And I'm sure you'll be here for the next few minutes in case you have some question that you don't want to announce to a room of 30 <laughs> um, and, um, and thank you so much to the Arts Club and the Lanzerhof for hosting us and as and I'm sure you guys all have been but the Lanzerhof is just down the road which way and uh, it's just it's literally like a health like playground um full of everything you could possibly want um but yes thanks and thank you to all for coming thank you thanks for coming <laughs>